Hi everyone and welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. Today's episode is for all those parents who want to know more about intellectual disability or have an affected child. So, have you seen a child who doesn't act his age or might act childish, have odd mannerisms like flapping hands or maybe drooling, constantly pulling his mum's dress? In medical terms, this disorder is called as intellectual disability, previously known as mental retardation. These individuals have problems in two areas. First, they have a below average intelligence and second, a difficulty in performing day-to-day activities. Now, there are many causes of intellectual disability, but let's talk about a genetic condition called fragile X syndrome. It's the most common form of inherited intellectual disability in males and females. To discuss about it in great detail, we have with us a special guest. She is the chairperson of the Fragile X Society of India. She founded this organization in 2003 and is working very hard to create awareness on the subject. Fragile X is one of the leading causes of inherited intellectual disability and autism worldwide. The families affected are growing in number a lot faster than the awareness on the condition. The organization has supported 900 families affected by it and she aims to dispel the ignorance on fragile X related conditions. Please welcome Shalini Kedia. Hi Rahat, thank you. It's truly a pleasure to be here with you on this podcast and throw some light on fragile X syndrome. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure Shalini to have you. Uh let's get started. So, um the first and foremost, uh, can you tell us something about what is fragile X syndrome for people who have never heard about it? So, uh fragile X syndrome like you said, it's an inherited condition and it causes intellectual disability and autism. Uh when we say it's an inherited condition, it uh, also travels down generations silently. What happens is uh we have our 23 pairs of chromosomes so we have the last pair which is the x chromosome and the y chromosome on the x chromosome we have a gene called the fmr1 gene now this gene breaks down because of a mutation <clears throat> and as the mutation uh, breaks down the gene it does not produce a protein called fmr protein that protein is essential for brain development so in short fragile x syndrome is a condition when the gene has mutated beyond 200 repeats and shut down and stopped production of a protein that's essential for brain development okay so that was uh, so in a nutshell anything uh, that affects the brain or the genetics is going to cause fragile x syndrome or other common intellectual disabilities okay so uh, moving on um fragile x syndrome is most commonly inherited single gene cause of a common learning disability called autism what does this mean right. someone who is planning a pregnancy given the fact that autism is so common nowadays so uh, when we understand autism um there have been many causes of autism that have been cited whether it's 
um, the MMR vaccine, environment, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at a genetic cause of autism, the single gene, that's the FMR1 gene, the single gene cause of autism is fragile X. What you mean by that is children with fragile X syndrome can also have autism. In fact, 20% of the children with fragile X syndrome have autism. And if you look at it in the reverse order, 4% of children with autism have autism because of fragile X syndrome. And that is where our main uh, concern about creating awareness is. Because if that 4% is missed out or not diagnosed uh, as to having fragile X syndrome, we uh, cannot give genetic counseling to the family who will then be planning their next child and has a risk of having a child with fragile X syndrome again. So this is the deep connection between autism and fragile X syndrome. Absolutely. So uh, primarily uh, genetic counseling is important for people who are planning a pregnancy and would like to avoid the transference of the genes down the generations especially if they have a family history of autism or if they have their own child with autism. Um, we've come across a lot of families where they have one child with autism and then they say we don't want to have more children because of the fear if the second child has the same condition. So here, if this child has been tested and in case he's positive for fragile X, they can have a second child who does not have fragile X. It is medically possible to do that. Right, absolutely, because of the uh, carrier hypothesis. Okay, so we won't go there. Um, I was going through a bit of research on fragile X, and I found that the average age of diagnosis for a child in countries like the US was between three to four years. Whereas children in India were diagnosed at ages of 10 years, 12 years, and even later like 16 years. So why is diagnosis a problem in India? And what do you suggest should be done on the part of parents so they become aware of this condition? Okay, so um, the gene responsible for fragile X syndrome was only discovered in the year 1991. In uh, the medical uh, language, we would call that a recent discovery. And by the time the impact of the gene has percolated and we've understood the different ways it can manifest, uh, it's traveled a long way. Uh, in the last few years, children with fragile X are being picked up earlier, even in India, because now the awareness is on the rise and uh, people are aware. So what I, as a, what the message our organization is always giving to families is let's not wait only for the doctor to come up with a suggestion. You be an informed parent. Okay, so if you see your child is missing milestones, you're definitely going to ask the doctor about it. If you come across a child who has autism or a learning disability or an intellectual disability, read up about fragile Ask the doctor about fragile X. If there is a woman who is having fertility problems, ask the doctor about fragile X. That is where we are coming from. And if you look at the population of our country and one organization working towards uh, catering to the needs of our population, 
it's it unfair. is a bit of a challenge absolutely <laughs> i would call but uh, but in the last uh, few months and years we we've garnered so much support from every individual uh, people like you who've taken the effort to support us and bring this out to the community that it's it's really amazing thank so. you thank you so much so uh, that also brings me to the question you mentioned that uh, females usually end up having uh, fertility issues uh, can you shed some more light on that as to how it uh, how yeah. fragile x manifests in females and how it manifests in yeah. males so um see we usually have more female carriers of the premutation and less male carriers of the premutation and uh, having a premutation for the fragile x gene does have its own manifestations for both the sexes let's look at a female who is a carrier for the premutation uh, 20% of women who carry the premutation of the fragile x syndrome have a low ovarian reserve and that translates into fertility problems so you will see these women will have a low ovarian reserve a low amh a high fsh they are prone to early menopause miscarriages and they will usually land up going for fertility treatments okay so, so for the we are so what we are trying to uh, say is that if a woman has low fertility or a low ovarian reserve and a low amh for no other apparent reason it's a good idea to test for fragile x before jumping into fertility treatment the reason for this is having being a pre if the woman is a premutation carrier for fragile x the success rate of the ivf is going to go down so there are very high chances that multiple cycles will result in a failure and there is a bigger chance that if the cycle is a success the woman might have a child with the condition in our experience we have had women who gone through 5 years and 10 years of ivf and then have a child with fragile x syndrome that must so be traumatizing it is traumatizing so what we are saying is if there's a woman who has a fertility issue she knows she has a low ovarian reserve and a low amh even if there's no family history of intellectual disability in the family before jumping into an ivf or any uh, art treatment get yourself tested for fragile x in case you are positive your a uh, path of treatment would change because you need to be aware that if you go this route you might have a child with the condition uh you might want to look at an option of pgd which is very available now and you have the embryo tested before implanting them you can look at options of a donor egg or donor embryo and it's it's all about empowering the person with information and letting them make the choice 
Absolutely. Uh, so for the listeners, AMH and FSH are hormones that are responsible for the fertility and their levels have to be high for, for one to be able to conceive. And in fragile X, the levels go down, which translates into a low ovarian reserve and you might face difficulty in conceiving. That was pretty insightful, Shalini. Thank you so much. Uh, so coming to Fragile X Society of India, uh, how did it con get conceptualized and what was the idea behind it? So uh, Fragile X Society of India started in 2003 uh, only to be a support, uh, a support system for families who already have children affected. Uh, that means if a family was affected, they would call us, we would uh, run through them, uh, the symptoms, of course, not every family has a scientific background. So once they're given the diagnosis, it's not easy for them to fathom all the medical jargon. So we would break it down for them, give them examples, explain to them. I think the first few hours go in trying to get them get them to stop feeling guilty about Absolutely. their child Absolutely. to internalize, so, uh, uh, to yeah. that knowledge that information will be so difficult for a parent you mm -hmm. finally get yeah. an answer the, to your child's condition but then you don't want to accept it yes so um, so right from explaining to the family uh, what is fragile X? how is it impacting the child what are the things you can do at home to help your child and yourself because children with fragile X syndrome are visual learners so we keep telling them please support their learning visually they go to school fine but at home what are we doing children with fragile X have high levels of anxiety so we tell the families about how they can keep their anxiety low of course, we guide them to the right uh, doctors and the right resources in their city. We uh, connect two families in the same city together. So they exchange resources and help. And this went on for a few years. And then we came across families with two children affected with fragile X syndrome and three children affected. And that was a root shock. So we had to expand our role, uh, not only to support families affected, but to spread awareness. We said we need to spread awareness on this condition because this condition can be controlled. The families can take an informed decision for their next child. So we moved on to uh, creating awareness about fragile X amongst the medical fraternity. Um, we've had a lot of conferences, seminars, workshops. Last year with the IAP, we launched the fragile X guidelines in India. That so was the for IAP the first time. Is, uh, sorry, so the IAP is the Indian Academy of Pediatricians. For our listeners, is the topmost yes. uh, organization for all pediatric doctors in India. Yes. So um, having those guidelines is an important tool book because it gives you a very clear path as to uh, what needs to be done with the child in terms of therapeutic uh, intervention, medical intervention, genetic counseling, etc. So that was a great step. And now this year we have uh, changed our awareness approach and made it a 360 degree approach wherein uh, we are educating the masses about it and every layperson about it. 
because I believe we don't have to wait for the doctor to tell you about a condition. If you are an informed individual, you read up and go with the right question. You can ask the doctor about fragile X and maybe that's the answer to your problem. So uh, it's so it's very important. Uh, so, so at the core of the Fragile X Society of India is always families. I mean, uh, no awareness or uh, seminar comes as a priority if a family first needs support. So at the core is families. In fact, I must share with you that yesterday I received a call from a family in Mumbai who has a 15-year-old boy with Fragile X syndrome and they did not know that there was a Fragile X society. And they happened to see a repost on someone's Instagram and they contacted us and we've been able to help them immensely. Oh, so that's the power of awareness. That's amazing. That's really nice. That was actually the primary reason why I decided to do this episode so that common people know it. And you elucidated it so well that instead of the doctor coming up with a diagnosis, which is actually his job, but then if the parents have a proactive role and themselves being equipped with a little bit of knowledge and come up to the doctor that could it be this one? Could it be this problem? It's going to make things so easy for their own child. Absolutely. Uh, coming to the most important question of the show. How can a child with fragile X be managed? What are the problem areas and what sort of therapies, programs can these uh, can help these kids live a better life? So a child with fragile X syndrome, we need to understand, is going to be living his entire life without the FMR protein, which is a very important protein for brain development. Okay, how that manifests is going to vary from child to child. Some children are severely impacted and some are moderately impacted. Of course, if there is a delay, therapy is primarily. You may see a delay in sitting, standing, walking, talking, gross motor, fine motor, uh, cognitive development, um, occupational therapy, uh, speech therapy, special education, these are like mandatory because they're going to help your child achieve his milestones, which every other child achieves just like that. Okay, so um, these are a few of the cognitive uh, things. Now, a few of the physical features of fragile X syndrome is a long face, protruding ears, large forehead, and a prominent chin. But of course, uh, the physical features is not something we're really going to be tackling because it's not affecting us. Right. When and it also, comes to uh, their... Also, not all children show the exact proportion of the facies. Some yeah. might have it in yeah. little degrees, so it's not yeah. possible to diagnose just by looking at the child. Yeah, that I agree completely. So um, in terms of treatment management, okay, first is therapy. At any age, whether the child is diagnosed at six months or six years, therapies is mandatory because these children also have a problem with their sensory processing. Now, sensory processing disorder can be a very challenging thing, which will manifest in the terms of behavior. 
So if you see a child with fragile X misbehaving, it's actually probably not misbehavior, but could be stemming from either anxiety or a sensory processing, both which can be managed very well with occupational therapy and a good home program and a sensory diet. So um, in term and of course there are medical interventions if the doctor thinks it is appropriate. Uh, they are put on anti-anxiety medications, which again takes them two steps ahead. Because if you can manage your anxiety with medicine and therapy and a home program, the child is going to make progress in leaps and bounds. So, as um, as the head of the organization, I always tell the families that. Every action of yours, you should evaluate: Is this adding anxiety to my child, or is it removing his anxiety? If you are adding anxiety, you will see misbehavior. If you are removing anxiety, you will see more cooperation from the child. So, in terms of management, of course, it is uh, therapies, a good home program, and medical intervention. Uh, so. Uh, from the likes of it, it sounds like there's a lot of work that the parents need to do compared to that of a child who is not affected. So you, your organization must have seen uh, kids coming from all stratas of society. How can uh, parents of lower strata society whose kids are affected, how do they work upon this? What has what has their response been to therapy? So you know there are many organizations who do subsidize therapy and. Uh, as the fragile society, we can guide them to the right organization sometimes where they do get subsidized therapies. Uh, besides the therapy they're receiving outside, uh, simple things like trying to keep your instructions more visual at home. Um, okay, if you're having a guest coming visit to your house, it's going to increase the anxiety of the child. And if you tell the child, that the guest is going to come and he's going to leave after two hours. That is something you can do at any strata of society. You don't really need uh, finances to be able to do that. So we always empower the family from where they are. If I have a family come to me from a very low income, uh, I cannot give them recommendations which are so expensive of exactly course, you we equip them with ways of dealing with the child so if you see our blog um on instagram or uh, we talk about things like side talks indirect talks don't force eye contact these are things every family can apply you don't simple need the money to apply it. right simple behavioral changes that the parents can exactly at home without exactly yeah yeah so so we have it all on our on our uh, insta and uh, if any family dms us we give them i have a whole animated series of a guide for the families in non-medical terms for them to understand what is happening in the child's brain, what is it, uh, what weakness is it creating in the child, what are his inherent strengths, and how can you manage him better and help the child. So we tell the families, please read this information, understand it, whatever you've not understood, call us back, 
we will teach you how to apply it in your child's life which is a very very crucial part of raising a child with fragile x syndrome that sounds like an amazing resource even for someone who's uh, not pretty much educated really nice and also uh, as you said the home part is going to be more important because a child might spend a maximum of a maximum of an hour or two at a therapy or a program but the rest of the time he's at home so his education yeah. uh, should be done there only we should concentrate maximum of our efforts at home yeah not only education it's also management because yeah, of day to day and for the family also we tell the family initially it may sound like i'm asking for a lot of work but trust me the first few days are going to be challenging and after that you're going to make life easier for yourself and your child because your child is going to be happier they're going to be lesser meltdowns they're going to be lesser behavior problems you have lesser to deal with so you just have to learn to handle the child the way he needs to be handled yeah in turn we'll also provide him with a happier childhood rather than just being instructional and shouting at him and so just a bit of understanding on our parts and effort yeah okay so um where do these kids stand when it comes to settling in the society or living an independent life uh what sort of vocational courses suit them so they can have a uh, they can live a life of dignity without relying on others oh that's an amazing question living a life of dignity is not going to depend upon the child that is going to depend upon the society and the acceptance because that is where uh, the family uh, the fam for the family if if like i always give this example if you're standing in the elevator with a child with special needs and you tell your child to look away or not look at that child or you give a smile of compassion to the child and the parent it makes a huge difference that is dignity that is not something that is in the hands of the family or the child in terms of vocational training these children have amazing strength they have a super memory they are very good with repetitive work they can live a very close to independent life of course in india we really don't have the culture of living uh, independently because most the children are living with their families but um, a lot of families are thinking about what happens after they are not there so it's all about how much have you empowered the child to do his day to day things and travel on his own uh, give him the money concept give him the confidence i think my biggest mantra is uh confidence is more important than the intellect because a child who is super intelligent if he is not confident and happy he cannot go out there in the world and do anything but a child even with a little less intellect but who's confident can go out there and achieve a lot and that unconditional love and acceptance gives confidence to the child so of course you get them into vocational training let them do what they are happy doing we're constantly nudging the parents to bring them a notch higher when it comes to their 
uh, daily living skills and their academics, their vocational training, their computer training. Some of them are doing jobs, and they're doing they're doing brilliant jobs. There's no problem on that. That was inspiring, and glad to know that it does end on a happy note, even for children with intellectual disability. Uh, so another thing, uh, the social stigma we spoke about. Uh, definitely, the kind yeah. of behavior that you mentioned, looking away or looking, uh, giving weird stares to such kids, is so common. Um, what else you think should be done to uh, eradicate this? Now, I remember we had a movie uh, in Bollywood. Uh, My name is Khan. It was uh, based on the similar concept, Asperger's syndrome, which is a part of the gradient of autism spectrum disorders. And they, they, uh, there they depicted it so well how a society treats. Uh, this kind of a child. So, what else can be done to raise awareness about this? Because I really um, believe that prior knowledge can help you. You know, you don't have to have someone affected with that condition to show empathy or to support a cause. So, what can be done for this? You know, um, you need three things for it: awareness, awareness, awareness. I'll tell you why. Awareness is going to help a child get diagnosed. Awareness will help a child receive the right treatment. Awareness will help the family plan their next child. Awareness brings acceptance in society. Today, if if you are aware that okay, if this child has uh, Down syndrome or he has autism or he has fragile X. and we have a small comic series where we we teach uh, people how to approach them okay i i always tell i we, very often we have siblings approaching us saying that i want to interact with my brother but i don't know how to That's so, so i give them tips and i give them tips i said okay so don't go to your brother and ask him hi how are you because you're asking for too much You go to your brother and say, "Give him a high five." He is going to give you a high five in return. So these are things today. Just the way the sibling can support, the whole society can do it. If we create awareness, if today we give a message out saying that whenever you see a child with special needs, offer a high five. Don't ask them how are you. Don't ask for eye contact because asking how are you. is expecting a reply from them verbally which can be a challenge you offer a high five even if they don't respond they feel accepted they feel accepted by you which is a huge step so can we ask everyone who listens to this podcast the next time you see a child on a wheelchair Or a child with Down syndrome, or a child who looks different, give a smile with empathy, and probably offer a high five. That's it. Let's start with that much. That that child is going to come home feeling happy, rather than being judged. That mother is going to feel happy that, oh wow, that child didn't look away. It's not that difficult to be the parent of a child with special needs. There is acceptance. Acceptance will come with awareness. 
that was really nice such a simple small gesture to begin with small takeaway but i loved it and i am actually hoping for people to listen to this and bring about this small change in their lives thank you so much shalini for dispelling so many myths about fragile like syndrome and i'm sure parents are going to benefit from this thank you so much rahat i it was really a pleasure doing this talk and I'm, i'm i'm amazed and i'm i'm so glad with the questions you've asked they were quite thought provoking and uh, i do hope this podcast reaches out to many people and i would appeal anyone and everyone who hears this podcast is be aware if you see a child with autism tell them to read up about fragile x tell the family you will be empowering them and of course don't forget the high five absolutely so uh, guys uh, intellectual disability is not uncommon uh, every one in 3000 2000 kids ends up with either one of the diagnosis uh downs autism or fragile x so thinking that why should i i don't need to i don't know anybody who has this or my child doesn't have it it doesn't end over there you can connect with the fragile x society of india on instagram facebook and their website the links will be mentioned in the show notes below you can also support them either by being aware of this condition spreading the word on social media or by donations so that's it for today Until then stay healthy stay happy That's it for today do subscribe to my podcast so you will be notified each time a new episode is online you can find us on Instagram Facebook Twitter and LinkedIn as Dr Mommy speaks don't forget to like and review our podcast wherever you listen It will help others to find this podcast. And you can visit our website drmommyspeaks.com forward slash podcast for all our show notes and any resources mentioned by me or my guests. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Until then, happy parenting! Happy parenting!